Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Everybody in Portland knows that Oregon is facing a giant affordable housing crisis. Local officials talk about it a lot, and the new governor has made it a priority. But could this actually be a federal problem? And could the federal government maybe help us out a little bit? Well, if you ask Ron Wyden, he says absolutely. I'm John Natariani, in for Claudia Meza. Today on CityCast Portland, we're talking with our senior U.S. senator about his ambitious plans to house everyone experiencing homelessness across the country within five years. And we're going to talk a bit about just how you get a law like that through this Congress. It's Wednesday, March 15th. This is what Portland's talking about. Hey, John. How you doing? Hey, sir. Good to talk to you again. How are you today? We're in Central Oregon. I I basically flew all night. I was doing the IRS commissioner and the budget yesterday and had to deal with all the weather stuff. I'm just barely keeping my eyes open. Oh, my gosh. Well, thank you for making the time for us. We really sure. appreciate it. Yeah. So uh, interested in talking about your new bill that's back up again. So Oregon is in a major housing crisis right now. I'm wondering to what extent does that crisis depend on help from Congress and frankly, from your leadership to be able to find a good solution? I'm going to pull out all the stops for Congress to pass major legislation, increasing housing supply in this session. We had a very good hearing on Tuesday uh, last, uh, everybody can see it on YouTube in the Senate uh, Finance Committee. And, you know, Democrats usually aren't supposed to use the word supply side, but I am a supply sider when it comes to housing. And, you know, I have tried to use every piece of legislation that goes through the Congress to try to help. For example, the first bill, the Biden administration was a rescue plan. I secured over 1,500 emergency housing vouchers for people experiencing homelessness. And every one of these bills, LIHTC, vouchers, we're now going to focus also on middle-income folks. There's LIHTC for low-income. I'm proposing MITEC, middle-income housing tax credits for nurses and firefighters and teachers. And I just think this whole question of having a roof over your head, a floor under your feet is so basic to Oregon being in a position to do all the things our state's all about. It's a top priority for me. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned LIHTC and uh, MITEC, and those are all things that your new legislation is going to address, hopefully. Uh, But I'm wondering about your view on the housing crisis here in Oregon specifically. What is it particularly that you see as an issue here at home? First of all, the priority that I'm giving it in Washington, D.C., is first and foremost getting more help to Oregon because we're on the front lines of the challenge. The state legislature is sure. involved in this. The voters have passed up on measures, but the crisis is so serious right now. 
we need everybody at every level of government to make it a priority. And a big part of what I was talking about in Washington, D.C., before the Finance Committee, where there's a lot going on, was to move the machinery of the federal government around to get more help for Oregon. Yeah, yeah. And you did say recently the housing crisis won't get better until Congress acts. What can Congress do that state government just can't? Well, I, I mentioned LICAC. That's the, the biggest federal bill as of now. I, I think the Congress can also provide more flexibility. I've indicated, for example, that when we pass MITEC for middle-income housing tax credits, if a state wants to say some of that money could be used for low-income people, they'd have the chance to do it. Um, I'm concerned about some of these private equity operations that are exploiting tax loopholes. I spoke about closing some of those at the hearing. So there's a lot on deck. Yeah. Well, you have introduced what you've called the DASH Act. The goal is to provide housing for everyone experiencing homelessness within five years. And there's a bunch of ways that this legislation is trying to approach that. A big component of it is the low-income housing tax credit, which you've referred to a couple times, LIHTC. For people that don't know policy as well, what is LIHTC and why is it so important for Oregonians? LIHTC is particularly popular because residents find it possible to get shelter relatively quickly. Developers like the fact that there are tax credits and you don't have uh, a whole lot of excessive bureaucratic red tape. You get your tax credit when you actually produce shelter. We also expanded it. We reduced some of the red tape uh, early in the Biden administration. So it is the most popular federal housing program, and I want to build on it with my tech. And, and just help me understand, you know, how this program leads from something that is designated by Congress. How does that actually filter down into housing that comes into being in the community? Can you walk me through that process? Yeah, it, it goes through the states. The states work very closely with governmental bodies, private developers who have track records and the ability to demonstrate We've got a fair number of them now in Oregon that they can stand low-income uh, housing uh, more quickly, have a chance to work quickly with the states to get that housing built. Yeah. Um, of the other provisions in the DASH Act, I was also quite interested in some of the things that it was trying to do to be able to try and boost uh, homeownership for um, all sorts of different Americans. Can you tell us what you're looking at in there? I'm particularly concerned about the fact that the first-time home buyer, the young person who may be the first in their generation to go to college, got a good job, can't even dream of the American because they haven't been able to accumulate a down, down payment. So we're focused on first-time home buyers. We're focused on nurses and firefighters and teachers. You know, I was in Eugene for a town hall meeting a couple of weeks ago. And I was told by school officials that they're actually buying housing, the local school districts, to rent to teachers because the teachers don't have shelter. Yeah. And so this housing bill, the idea is to address some of those shortfalls. It's important to note that most of what I've just described, such as the shortfall with respect to teachers in Lane County, these are problems that exist across the state, not just Portland. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, more with our U.S. Senator, Ron Wyden.
Well, Senator Wyden, you're the chair of the Committee on Finance. You know a ton about getting complicated bills through Congress. What's your plan on this one, though? Because it seems like it's going to be really tough to get it to pass. Certainly, this is a challenging, you know, Congress. Uh, you look at what the House has been doing over the last couple of weeks, and you say, well, how are you going to be able to do any business? I think those folks are going to have to be able to show some results, though. I mean, you can, you know, talk about all the red meat that you're throwing to your base and that sort of thing. But at some point, you're going to have to talk about real results. And I don't think elected officials can go home and say, well, we took a a pass on you know housing because we were doing something else. This is front and center priority business, and the hearing in the finance committee was very bipartisan. We outlined a number of bills uh, that had Democratic and Republican sponsors, and I'm determined to get it done. People didn't think I could do the Clean Energy for America bill, and uh, those 280 billion dollars worth of green energy tax credits. Market is actually exceeding what we expected. It's the biggest climate investment in American history, and nobody thought we could do that either. Yeah, well, well, let's talk strategy for a minute. You did introduce this bill back in 2021. Um, didn't have success that time. What's your strategy that's going to be different this time around? Well, for, first of all, we did already start pulling pieces of the bill out. You know, I mentioned mm-hmm. in particular the emergency housing vouchers and the rescue plan funding in the CARES Act that led to a 20% increase in the number of shelter beds statewide through uh, Project Turnkey. I mean, we're pulling pieces of it out, but I especially want to expand LightTech and MyTech and um, close some of these tax loopholes this session. Yeah, LIHTC and MyTech have come up a couple times. We, we talked about LIHTC. MyTech is the middle income tax credit, right? So how is that different than the program that we talked about earlier? It, it really isn't. It's on all fours with LIHTC because LIHTC has been so successful. You know, what developers and middle income people have said is if you got something that's working, why don't you build on it? It's for the people, you know, who make too much money to be eligible for LIHTC, but can't afford shelter where they are. That's why I mentioned the teachers in Eugene. Yeah. Well, you did mention the other chamber of Congress a little while ago, House of Representatives, uh, which your party doesn't control anymore. And I'm wondering where the conversation nationally that you're seeing about housing and the housing crisis nationwide is going and how that's changing. Like, are you seeing a real shift in the way that people are thinking about this across the country on top of what you're seeing at home? I do. Sherrod Brown is chairman of the Housing and Banking Committee. Uh, he and I do a lot of work together. He's also a member of the Finance Committee. He will tell you as well that this has just come alive all across the country. Yeah. Well, um, just for people who are listening, where, where are you right now? Right now, I have left Madras, and I am on my way towards Bend. Well, drive safe, and thank you so much for making the time to talk with us. Great. Talk to you. Thank you. And now for your microdose of news. The Multnomah County District Attorney's Office says they're seeing what they call a, quote, alarming number of suspected DUIs that can't be prosecuted. The problem is that the police didn't conduct a breathalyzer or a blood test in nearly one of six of the crashes referred to their office. This comes as the city says 63 people died in car crashes last year, and impairment or speed were often major factors. And there's another wrinkle in the big plan to replace the I-5 interstate bridge. 
This time, federal officials have ordered state planners to study adding a drawbridge to the design. The U.S. Coast Guard says the bridge needs to be taller, otherwise taller ships might not be able to make it through. Of course, this could add a long and expensive delay to a process that's already really long and really expensive. For more local news and events, sign up for our daily newsletter, Hey Portland. We'll throw a link in the show notes. Well, that's all for us today here on CityCast Portland. If you enjoyed the show, tell a friend, leave us a rating or a review. We'd really appreciate it. I'm John Natariani, in for Claudia Meza. We'll be back tomorrow with more from around the city. Until then, see you at Slim's. Slim's.